Welcome to the School of Humanity podcast. You are made in the image and likeness of God. Not only does God long for you, but you are like Him. What does this mean for you? How does it affect your view of God? How does it affect your view of yourself? How does that affect everything? This, this is, is the School, School of Humanity. Humanity. Welcome back to the School of Humanity podcast. This is episode 49. And this is the third of the three-part uh, trilogy we wanted to do <laughs> on our particular, where we discuss our particular vocations, um, obviously being first married and then within marriage becoming parents. And then in this third part, we're going to talk about the latest um, part of our journey uh, towards the diaconate, the permanent diaconate. And so we're excited. <laughs> it's true. I'm actually just thinking about the fact that we're part of a trilogy right now. Right. I've always wanted to be part of a trilogy. Me too. Hmm. What about a prequel? Is there a prequel? Could we later have a prequel? Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that would work. Anyway, you don't really determine that, do you, until after the trilogy is complete? Um, cause then it wouldn't be a prequel. Right. Okay. So maybe we'll like start an episode <laughs> with the end of our last episode. Right. And then and it will everybody. all make sense at the end. <laughs> um, sorry. So yeah. So permanent diaconate, we are now in our third year. We are. Right. There's a year of discernment and then five years. Five years. Five years of formation. Yeah. Um, so. So in order to begin speaking about this particular um, part of our vocation, I mean, people ask us all the time, you know, like, how's the whole diaconate thing going and how are you guys doing with it? And that's mostly alluding to the fact that you know, I, I work a lot for an <laughs> orthopedic surgeon and uh, have a busy schedule. And then we have four kids. And so the thought of entering into the diaconate on top of all of that, I think is a little bit shocking for people. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, there was a guy here today looking at repairing like our French doors in our backyard. And he saw our two daughters. And he was like, how old are they? And I was telling him. And, and I said, yeah, there's two more. And he's like, what? I was like, yeah, there's two more. They're in school. And I feel like anytime there's more than, like, one kid. Or more than, like, two kids. I don't know. If there's any kids. <laughs> I think people are like, what? That's right. Um, maybe because I just didn't look like a complete total mess. Although I feel like I look like a complete total mess. But anyway, um, neither here nor there. But, uh, but I think that, I think that it's always a shock, you know, anytime that people see that you're yeah. doing something else yeah, other than rearing your children, because we compartmentalize thing, things, I think, um, like I'm very excited about the fact that like diaconate formation, um, is a part of my children's lives. Right. You know, it's not separate from them. Um. Even like our, our young adults and, and the School of Humanity, 
like that's part of my kids that's not separate from them um everything is a pursuit of of them becoming who they're meant to be nothing is apart from that so i think that that's um that's a big a big thing to remember that if 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 anything is seen as as adversary or even um separate from what you already are then it's not what you're supposed to be doing does that make sense honey Yes, I agree. I mean, the moment that you start to compartmentalize your life into different things, uh, you're not really living in the reality that's been given to you. You know, right. you you want to imagine or fantasize that like this part of my life is for this, and my kids are here, and you know, it's a temptation that we all struggle with, but eventually those worlds will collide if they're not all rooted in Christ. You know, Bishop Barron's analogy of having the center, the center being Christ and then all things revolving around that um, is, I think, perfect um, to show, show that there is no um, discrepancy between these different aspects of our life. And as far as the diaconate is concerned, I think this is a good, um, this plays right into what I, what comes to my mind when, when we speak about the diaconate, because it kind of harkens back to our first premier vocation, um, the universal call to holiness. Because with the diaconate, you know, there's this desire to want to give your life. So I'm, I think that uh, as I reflect on my own desire to uh, my own calling towards the diaconate, the first thing that comes to mind is Mary, actually. Um, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there's been a lot of talk about Mary. I don't, I don't normally make weird noises. <laughs> When we talk about our blessed mother, but she has a lot to do with, uh, yeah. So the mode of the diaconate, I would say when you encounter a love that is perfect a love that is never ending, um, your life is changed and you immediately want to reciprocate that love and we as human beings you know we immediately seem to do that with the other people that are around us right i mean that the people that are in our immediate vicinity so you think about the blessed virgin mary when the angel gabriel came to her and announced to her that she was going to be the mother of jesus the explosion of joy in love that must have filled her heart, although it was obscure, you know, and there was, you know, some, I, I wouldn't dare try to, you know, imagine what goes on in her heart. But one thing you notice is that she almost immediately goes to Elizabeth. Um, and I, I would imagine at least part of that was that, you know, whenever we receive this kind of love, we immediately want to respond, right. you know, to others. Um, to share it with to share people. it. I mean, who 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 in their 
heart who's encountered Christ does not want everyone else to share in that in that love, that right. life-changing love. When Christ does become the center, then everything else that revolves around it is just made all the more beautiful and all the more in sync. And it's not a me and Jesus. It's it's always a us, you know. Right. When, when you have that proper understanding and love relationship with God. Yeah, it always makes me think of, um, there's this book that I read a long time ago. It's called uh, Praise Habit by David Crowder. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you about that. Um, but in the book, he went through various psalms, and in one of them, he talked about the fact that uh, he never wanted to ride on airplanes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Right. So he finally went and rode on an airplane. He was like totally freaked out the whole time. Like he had read everything about airplanes. He still didn't understand how something that was, you know, tons and tons of weight could be held in the air and propelled, you know, by engine to go from point mm-hmm. A to point B, yada, yada, yada. So he was, um, he said that he was just filled with so much trepidation, you know, on the plane. And then when it took off and it went above the horizon, mm-hmm. that he looked out his window and was uh, saw the saw the sun above the clouds, and he was. Um, he said that in that instant he was kind of overtaken with with an an emotion that he didn't think he was going to have, like he was angry. And he said that he was angry because no one had ever told him that that's what was there. Mm-hmm. Like people had told him about obviously the convenience of flight and things like that, but that no one had ever told him about about the beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we're always struck by beauty. Um, <laughs> that, that seems to be the the initial. Um, the, I don't know the initial gasp, if you will, at at God's love for us is the beauty of of a God who is not one who lords over his subject, but is first a priest, you know, and offers himself in sacrifice. You have to imagine, too, that that was a big part, too, of of, uh, the Annunciation and the Visitation. It's just the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm carrying Christ, you know. Yeah. Now, if we we fast forward to... um, the Second Vatican Council, which is kind of when the permanent diaconate was renewed. I won't say it was began because... Which this year is the 50th anniversary of it, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, you know, because there were deacons from the very beginning. Deacons um, were actually before priests. Right, they're right in around the, history the same of the time. Church, yeah, right. yeah. But they were still before. Right. Right. And so um, there were bishops and and deacons initially, yeah. Um, Book of Acts, in case you're curious to go and look at it biblically. Right. <laughs> so the church, you know, in in her wisdom, saw a, a need for a renewal in the permanent diaconate, the diaconate as a permanent clerical state. Um, and it's kind of beautiful. It can be seen truly as one of the great fruits of the Second Vatican Council and part of the closing remarks, Pope Paul VI talks about the fact that one of the main themes of the council was that we need to start seeing the church as the servant to the world, right? You know, as a sacrament 
to the world. Um, again, this here, the church in all her wisdom, just like Mary, who embodies the church, she is the right. church, you know, um, uh, triumphant in heaven, you know, as our is it the Byzantine? Is it the Byzantine church that does the? Uh, they have the picture of the Blessed Mother opposite the altar. Yeah, well, I think um, even you know Eastern Orthodox, which is it's an Eastern right tradition, certainly to have Mary because she's the icon of what the church absolutely strives to be. She's the eschatological realization of the church in heaven. Meaning, That's another party word to bring out. Yeah. Eschatological so, realization. Is that what you just said? Yes. Okay. Of, of the church in heaven. She is the one who, who made a perfect yes in response to Christ. And therefore the church is indefectible. You know, she, she stands in heaven as the church. And so the us. diaconate really looks to her as that reflection of, of receptivity and yes. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I mean, service. Yes. I mean, we all do as, as baptized Christians, you know, um, it, again, that's why the diaconate is so intimately, um, an extension of, if you will, or maybe the premier icon of the baptized Christian who desires to like Mary after receiving the good news, want to turn and pour yourself out for others. Because what else do you do? I mean, when you're a, when you are a Christian, when you be, want to desire to be like Christ, you want to lay your life down um, for others. And and just like you know, in that beautiful section of um, Gaudium et Spes. Uh, where it says that man only fully realizes himself by a sincere gift of self. Right. You know, here here we see that. So this kind of truth permeates all, it, it's part of um, all of our lives um, to some degree, especially as baptized Christians, but then particularly um, for the diaconate, you can see where... Um, the deacon is the one who wants to respond um, in service uh, right. to the world. So, well, so did you know about deacons growing up? I mean, or did um, you not really come into the knowledge of? Well, no. I mean, if it was renewed at the Second Vatican Council, then okay, so. How did you start discovering the diaconate? It wasn't until you, you felt like you received your first initial call. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, when you don't, we didn't see a lot of deacons growing up, you know, or I, maybe I did, but I well, didn't I really. So. I know you didn't. <laughs> um, but even, even still, I think even today, people look at deacons and they're like, okay, so I don't understand you. Oh my like, gosh. I can't tell you how many times I think it's so funny when the deacons um, go up and they say, you know, peace be with you. But, you know, people always, not in that instance, but when they're like, hello, and people always say, hello, Father. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah, because... Yeah. But you kind of, it kind of is a strange parallel because you run into that as a physician assistant, true, right? True, true. Yeah, another kind of beautiful parallel. 
in my life is the fact that I'm a physician assistant. People often think I'm a doctor because, you know, um, I'm an extension of the doctor. Our, um, our pest control company thinks you're a doctor, so. Right. <laughs> and deacons are, are, you know, traditionally seen as like an extension of the bishop. Um, you know, you they often would go in the bishop's stead, you know, on these um, great um, voyages to um, what, go some... and speak and... St. Lawrence was a deacon, right? Mm -hmm. St. Lawrence was one. Was Athanasius also? No. He was. He was. Um, he was ordained uh, a bishop, I think, as a deacon. One of those That's instances right. where he was a deacon and got ordained priest bishop, like right, right, um, right, right from there. That's so, so awesome. Sorry. Yeah. I have high hopes for you. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that doesn't happen. That doesn't anymore. happen. Anymore. Okay. Uh, so no, like Deacon Bishop Bridge. Just kidding. No, no. So <laughs> sorry, Bishop Noonan. Um, but yeah. So then you received kind of like the initial call within our young adult group, right? Yeah, I would say that in in like my the case, kind of like. I guess initial awakening or whatever you would call yeah, it. Yeah, I would call it a reawakening. To the reason that I started off saying, you know, I wanted to make the point that, you know, like conversion process, there's something within the conversion or encounter process where your life gets switched from being turned inward on yourself to being set free by the love of Christ and then being capacitated in desire to rather spend your life loving right. him and and in him all, all the people that are around you which actually if if every vocation is a building on mm -hmm. to your initial call to holiness so like your initial call to holiness your first vocation is a call to holiness through your baptism and then like in our case our next vocation was then uh, marriage then we became parents, mm -hmm. and then, which actually that's kind of lumped in with marriage because, of, right. you know, that, what we talked about in the previous podcast, but then, then the diaconate now is that vocation within a vocation, right. then actually probably each one of them is a further unfolding, using the terminology that you just used, of yourself outward. I mean, you think about it initially sure. is your, in your call to, call to holiness, it's you and your call to holiness, mm -hmm. living outward. But then in a more direct way, if you would answer the the second, another call, say to marriage or to religious life, in a more direct way, you are called to that outward gift, that pouring out of self for the other. Sure. So for us, it was for one another. Right. Um, and then that actually becomes an even more of a pouring out to our children Right. And then now an even more of a pouring out through yeah. the diaconate. That's yeah. actually really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And that's true in our particular case or any case for um, for, for a married man to enter into the permanent diaconate. Um, we feel pretty convicted that, and, and the church teaches this as well, and, you know, in all the latest the theological development on the permanent diaconate is that, you know, obviously it can't be at the detriment of your first premier vocation to marriage. 
Right. If that vocation ends, so does your diaconate, you know, right. they kind of defeat the purpose. So it really needs to be an overflow of your, the fruits of your marriage. Um, so for us, you know, people ask us all the time, like, um, you know, how's it going and that kind of thing. And to me, it doesn't feel a whole lot different. And maybe this is just ignorance, but it doesn't feel a whole lot different from what we've done basically since we've been married. A lot of our marriage has been dedicated to ministry and ironically, ministry that's somewhat outside the walls of the church, you know, right. with young adults who tend to, in our experience anyway, um, respond to or get involved with ministry when it's not necessarily at the parish level, um, and so we've been sort of like this, we've had this ability, if you will, to um, reach young adults um, in, in our marriage. And our family has become a gift um, to our local community. And so just witnessing to the hope and blessings that come with married life and with a life of truly desiring uh, to grow in holiness, you know, as a married couple with children, um, we've seen uh, so much fruit come uh, from that for people around us. And mm -hmm. so the diaconate doesn't seem very far-fetched. And to me, it, it just, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and to me, it's just like this permeating of, the church and God's beauty into the world where now you, you know, the church is called to have people who men who, who specifically live a lay life because you have to work and make money for your uh, wife and, and children. And so you're, you're in the workforce, you're in the world and yet you are ordained clergy, you know, right. and you're able to, you you truly are an ordinary minister of the church. You represent the church um, in her hierarchy and um, in the world. And so here you are going to work as an ordained man, um, able to um, you know give blessings and you know uh, just bring Christ's presence just merely by your presence um, everywhere you go. And um, and so I think it's an absolutely beautiful um, vocation, um, and in our case, vocation within a vocation, because you know we can't forget about people who might be called to the diaconate who aren't married and would therefore become celibate when they uh, would get ordained. Um, which if something happens to me, that's that's what you'll have to do. Right, right. Right. Which is also, I mean, a beautiful aspect, in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's there's something amazing about being called to obedience and being called to sacrifice, as we understand it in the proper way, right. you know, to make holy your life. Um, sacra facere means to literally to make holy so anything that you do that sacrifice it, 
it, it literally bears fruit um, in your life. Who so, are you? Sorry, when you do that, when you like uh, bring out these beautiful Latin things, I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, words, words are so important. They are. Words are so important. We have to know what they mean. Um, so, you know, it's like, oh, that's I a big you, sacrifice. I think you're going to yeah. be a great deacon. Oh, well, thank you. I hope you think so. <laughs> I do. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> this, so. you know, so we're, we're running out of time. Darn it. But right. um, there's still so much to be said about all of this. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it, we're so elementary in it, you and I. Um, yeah. Mostly me. But, uh, no, we are, (laughs) but there's a lot that, that can be said about this. And I think that it's a beautiful thing for a, a couple to discern, um, Mm -hmm. if they are called to the permanent diaconate, because our church, our church certainly needs us to answer that call, especially as man and wife, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I envision, um, a church with, you know, growing vocations to all, all different um, vocations. But how beautiful would it be to see a plethora of priests with, you know, maybe six or seven deacons per priest in a parish, and oh my gosh, you know, each in in different work, um, in different fields of work, you know, lawyers and doctors and you know, construction workers and um, all ordained ministers who ordinary ministers in the church, they can help bring people on the fringes into the church. They can minister to married couples, especially if they're married deacons. Right. Um, they can do marriage prep, marry them, and then foster, help foster their marriage after they've been married into having kids. Um, and then, you know, helping with um, funeral rites and um, bearing. So, you know. There's a lot of it's, that it's from it's cradle to the grave type yeah, thing. I mean, it, and, and I just, that makes me so excited um, to just be a part of that, to be a part of God's church, to be, to become a minister is just an incredible, beautiful thought. In my mind, so um, I kind of love you. So pray for us, and uh, we'll we'll be praying for your vocation, within a vocation, within a vocation, within a vocation. So God bless you.